0: Um, what their policies are, and we don't know if they're telling the truth. You know, somebody pointed out, well, I don't believe Donald Trump actually is anti-abortion. Well, that's your right not to believe that. But if you're going off of what people say they're going to do, Donald Trump says uh, he's anti-abortion. The other guy says that he is, you know, and I'm not supporting one person or another. I'm just pointing out that all we can go off of is what they say they're going to do what their history is and make the best decision because Jesus is not on the ballot.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Holding the Ground, produced by TPC Radio. Holding the Ground is a podcast that encourages the listener to take what you think you already know and ponder it some more in light of the Christian Bible and how God has established his world around you. I am the host, Pastor Hank Wilson. Joining me will be Diane, a lady whose brain works faster than a speedy bullet, whose thoughts are more powerful than a locomotive, and who is able to leap tall syllables in a single bound. And as always, the lovely Katie. Katie otherwise known as the beatbox champion of Cornell.
0: Well, and this kind of goes into what I want to talk about. um, What do you want to talk about? And we talked about sin last podcast. We talked about sin, and we talked about how um, people think they are generally good people. Um, and when you go into it with that idea in your mind that people are generally good and just some just some people are bad and some people are good, but most people are generally good, then you have this idea that um, there's somebody that's going to be on the ballot for president of the United States of America or on the ballot for mayor of... You know, Podunk, Georgia, or maybe maybe not Podunk because that would be a, a southernist to, to say Podunk. Um,
1: Somebody's offended. Um, <laughs>
0: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor of Wilsonville, Mil- Wilsonville, yeah, exactly.
1: Georgia. <laughs> We could use Peytonville. That's a real thing, right? Yeah, there you go.
2: Peyton Peyton no, no? It's Peytonville. All state, not allowed. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go back. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Anyway, or dog catcher, or whatever somebody's on the ballot for. We have this idea that these people on the ballot, um, you know, are either generally good like we are. Um, and maybe they told a lie to their wife once or, you know, they're like Bill Clinton and they took advantage of an intern in the White House once. Maybe, you know, maybe, but that's possibly, not that big of a deal anyway, likely. because that's his personal business. Right. Um, but they're not, they're not bad anyway? people. And then the guy that we're against is actually the bad guy, you know, and it goes both ways on both sides of the aisle. Um, and we've got to remember that, that these are people. And if if there's... Anyone in this world that you want to pick apart, you're going to be able to do it. If you want to personally pick me apart, you can do it. You can find, you can open up my closet, find a dozen skeletons, some extra spare bones, nobody knows where those even go to. That's all in there. So you're going to be able to pick me apart. You're going to be able to pick Joe Biden apart. You're going to be able to pick Donald Trump apart. Anybody's going to be able to do that. And if you decide, hey, I'm on the side of Donald Trump and I'm not on the side of Joe Biden, you're going to hear the parts where Joe Biden's picked apart and you're not going to want to accept or hear or you're going to refute or you're going to counterpoint anything where Trump is picked apart. You have to if, if you're looking at this honestly from a Christian worldview perspective, everybody has sin, everybody has feet of clay, we all are broken human beings. So that's something that people just don't want to accept, and that's where these silly little arguments over my guy is better than your guy um, come in. Now, if you want to talk about what people say they're going to do Um, what their policies are, and we don't know if they're telling the truth. You know, somebody pointed out, well, I don't believe Donald Trump actually is anti-abortion. Well, that's your right not to believe that. But if you're going off of what people say they're going to do, Donald Trump says uh, he's anti-abortion. The other guy says that he is, you know, and I'm not supporting one person or another. I'm just pointing out that all we can go off of is what they say they're going to do. What their history is, and make the best decision because Jesus is not on the ballot; he's just not.
1: Well, and that's to the point. Isn't that what we mentioned in a, few, a sermon a few Sundays ago? Is this idea of um, where Miroslav Volf in his book "Public a uh, Public Faith" points out that we've moved from God being central in our history to country being central? Right, the country is now the savior. Um, or the nation is the savior, and now moved even beyond that to the self, where self is savior. Um, so we're right in our own eyes, right? We Everything is what we want or how, how we want to see the world. And so, you know, when we put our faith in something other than God, right, Jesus isn't on the ballot, but Trump is, and so I put my faith and trust in Trump and or Biden, whoever your candidate is, then you're going to be misled because mm-hmm. you're putting your faith and your hope in something that is not a surety. It is It is not going... It, Trump is going to let you down if you're a Trump fan. Biden is going to let you down if you're a Biden fan. Whoever your, 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 your candidate human. is... You're human. Yeah, whoever the human is yeah. that you're putting on this pedestal, even though we respect the office, we understand what their responsibility is, we have to remember that they're fallible, that they are not the creator they are the creature and that they are riddled with sin and so we should not be surprised when they do let us down we should expect them to i mean you used to laugh at you know every politician is a liar well you shouldn't really say that's a generalization but in a sense you could say that about almost every politician at some point in time being a human being they probably have lied
0: well every yeah that's what i was going to say every politician is a human being and and we we want and we yearn for justice in this world we yearn for civil leaders who strive to emulate god through humility um and through god's grace they have faith in god uh, we are reminded by um, God himself, Deuteronomy ten seventeen. 17. Um, God describes himself. He says, I'm the Lord your God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no parody and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him clothing. That's what we want to see in our civic leaders because that's the model that, that God has set. You know, um, So we look for that we look for a just society where those who are on the margins the widow the fatherless uh, the alien with no home um, that's what we're that's what we're looking for somebody who cares about those people on the margins that's important Um, but that doesn't mean um, to use a word that's been bandied about in headlines lately that doesn't mean reparations that doesn't mean um allowing the government to come to one person who has worked for something take that away and give it to somebody else because that's not just that's taking away someone forcing um someone to give something up to give to somebody else is not justice um if you see the fatherless the widow the orphan and you give them something that's your own to give your your own free to give that is charity and as james described true religion um, but that's not justice to force somebody to give something up
1: yeah let's start let's back up just a little bit because i think there's a today's podcast is on justice so we're going to talk about justice and and who knows how long it's going to be because there's a lot to say here But i, I segued you did segue but let's talk to let's start with the constitution of the united states so we we have already identified the fact that the office of President and the govern government which we espouse today, maybe not tomorrow but today mm-hmm. um, through the Constitution of the United States starts out this way in the Constitution we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice all right let 's just stop there we you can read the rest of it right um and even our Pledge of Allegiance, right, liberty and justice for all. Amen. So what is justice? See, I, I kind of have beef with the Constitution. I probably shouldn't go on record saying this. but <laughs> You know, I understand the purpose of the wording establish justice. But I take exception to the fact that man is not establishing justice. Although what really our founders were doing was establishing a system by which justice can take place, which I think we are, have been so far removed from today, and we'll talk about uh, that in just a little bit. But what is justice? And I think we have to take not only the Constitution as a as a starting point. We could we could talk about uh, how that plays out, uh, but there are are better podcasters and individuals that are are already doing that. What I want to talk about, though, is that idea of justice being established. And what does justice mean? What is the biblical definition of justice? Diane just pointed out that God is the one who is just. So God is just. That's the first thing we have to see. We go to Amos 5. I mean, If you were to go to Amos 5, you can see Um, A great understanding of God being just. So look at Amos 5, chapter 6. "Seek, Seek the Lord and live lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. And then we continue, go on to verse 14 and 15. This whole passage is about justice, is about what God is is doing and establishing justice. And then in 14 and 15, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. So here's the same idea that's used in the Constitution, this establishing of justice, establishing what is right legally, There's a forensic understanding here. There's a legal understanding that there's a system being established and God has ordained a system with with Israel and throughout uh, his created world in which man has a responsibility in setting the parameters in, in supporting justice, supporting what is right. Another way to say what is just is to say what is right. Justice, righteousness, all of these things are very closely related. And if you read in the Old Testament, you read it even in the New Testament, um, you can read Amos 5, you can read Zephaniah 3 5. God is the one who is establishing this, what is right. And we have to start with God's definition of justice, not with man's. And again, if we go back to Wolf and we understand that self, is now God or self is the center of the universe, then my definition of justice is really what I'm trying to promote. And we have to stop and go back first to God's definition.
0: Well, and that reminds me of Proverbs 28, verse 5, um, which says, evil men do not understand justice. Um, That pretty much sums it up because what... What it shows us is that until our hearts are changed and transformed to love God, love his statutes, um, love his son, then we don't really understand what is even meant by justice. We are not God-focused. We are not focused on loving God, loving our neighbor. We're focused on self. Um, An an evil person is is a self-focused person person who, who does not show the love that he has for himself to his neighbors. And so that person cannot understand justice. He just sees that he's been slighted and he wants to know how to make it right for himself. And if it means looting and takes, taking something from a business owner, well, that's fine because it's setting it right for himself. Or, you know, if I can be so bold, people who Look like him, or who are on his political side, or in the same mob as he is in, and, and I say mob as in a, a angry group of people. Um, so that is not justice. That is not the justice that God has established, as you said.
2: I um, so I've been wrestling a lot lately with the state of the country, and uh, we were talking earlier about. Um, growing up in the Catholic Church and uh, carrying guilt and a variety of other things in that regard. So I did something super trite and went and looked at the dictionary definition. Just like as a, as a human, what are we looking at, quote unquote, as a definition? Um, fairness in the way people are dealt with. How open to interpretation is that? You know, and I just, I, it really kind of struck me that um, when I first kind of had that quickening and really started reading and trying to learn more, I struggled with, like, God being just. So this definition, which now I kind of chuckle at, you know, was really what I was living by, you know what I mean? And, like, like you said earlier, I'm not, I, I mean, I paid my bills. I, You know, I showed up on time. Like, I thought, you know, I mean, I help people. Like, I thought I was a pretty decent girl, you know. Like, okay, I had my guilt, but what Catholic doesn't, you know, it just means you're good. So, like, that, going from this definition and struggling with God's grace and mercy, like freely given, the fact that I could not earn that, like he is just. So someone had to pay for my sins. I've wrestled with that so much and just trying to change my definition to one that was God focused was like, that was, that was something I really struggled with. So totally off topic from what y'all are talking about, but the, Totally on topic. The, no, on topic. The because Cambridge because, totally Dictionary has yeah, Well, and that's, yeah. a,
1: that's a good way of looking at it. So we're going to go by the Cambridge Dictionary's version, or we're we going to go by the Bible's version and understanding of justice. Because justice in the Bible always is in the use, is used in the context of the covenant in which the Creator is interacting with the creation, and that He has established in His courtroom. That he's the judge of all things and justice is his. It's a it's a part of his uh, nature. He, it's one of his attributes. We'll talk it about that in a second. Could
2: not be God without that attribute by exactly. definition.
1: <laughs> right. So so we cannot talk about justice. We shouldn't, as Christians, even discuss justice without first starting with God. And Amen. what does God uh, give us in way of who He is in mm-hmm. being just in a legal sense? Because the the Hebrew word. Uh, even used in Amos, this idea of justice is one of uh, deciding a case or judging a case. So in other words, what is right and what is wrong? The world today is having a discussion about what is right and what is wrong to me. from their own yeah. perspective as, as interpreted by them, mm-hmm. right? Based off of your Cambridge definition there, as opposed to what God says is right and wrong. And that's a different starting point. I mean, that, that is a w- clash of worldviews. That is a, a clash of, um, uh, of biblical thought compared to, as you said, the, those that can't think uh, biblically. So, you know, how do we then as Christians even enter the dialogue if we're starting out with the wrong foundation? The worldviews are clashing. Um,
0: One thing I wanted to say about um, the foundations and you mentioned the Constitution and how it has that phrase to establish justice in the preamble. And one thing that I've heard talked about a lot by all the smart commentators out there is this whole separation of church and state. It's in the First Amendment. It doesn't say separation of church and state. It just says Congress shall not establish any state religion. Um, and basically that says that Congress isn't going to tell people how to worship. Congress isn't going to tell people what to worship. It doesn't mean that there is some sort of... um thing in the Constitution that laws can't be based on morality. Because I have news for everybody, every single law out there positions one person's morality or one version of morality over another. It it favors, a law against speeding favors uh, the right of people to Uh, arrive safely to their destination over the right that people have to arrive at their destination 10 minutes earlier. Okay, so that's one thing is favored over another thing. So um, the laws that say that, and you guys are going to figure out this is kind of like a key issue for me, laws that say that abortion is legal favors the woman's right to terminate her pregnancy and and murder her offspring over that baby's right in the womb to have a life that that one thing is favored over another thing Um, every single law is like that Uh, there's no law that is not based on some version of morality whether it's right or wrong whether it's god's morality or not it can be debated and, and talked about but this this whole thing about legislating morality, you can't legislate morality, is a farce. Anybody who says that is trying to shut you down, and I, I do believe that. And, and I think that this whole phrase, separation of church and state, is just used as a cudgel to, to shut people up who, who are bringing up things that make other people uncomfortable. So when you bring up things like God's law, that makes people uncomfortable especially if in their if they're in rebellion to god whether open rebellion or secret hidden rebellion you know under the i'm the nice guy i'm spiritual but i'm i'm not religious whether they're in the the sort of secret secluded rebellion against god or the the um open rebellion against god like i'm an atheist and i don't care about your little sky god and you know you can take your second amendment and your boomsticks and <laughs> Get out of here, you know, walk step on. That is Tell us how you really feel. It's <laughs> no, got so good That that can be um that, I don't think so I'm anyway. Anything for I just wanna I just wanna dispense with the myth of separation in church and state. It doesn't exist in our constitution. It's not a thing and every law legislates some version of morality. I have spoken, I'm done.
1: <laughs> well, and I would say it's it's actually the the exact opposite, right? It's you know Calvin would say John Calvin, the reformer, you know had this great writing in his, his Institutes as to where your worldview, being biblically instructed and trained in God's law and what God expects and our obedience to that then goes into our life is rooted in our heart and then is expressed in our daily vocation so whatever it is that we're doing if we're a politician if we are serving our community in any way and we are a christian then it's okay then to take your worldview and what you've learned and your obedience to god and and bring that into the workplace that's not a separation of church and state that's actually the complete opposite as you're saying, Diane, it is it, it, it is being informed as to God's law and expectation and brokenness of the world. All of those things in that in that understanding and bringing it into the workplace. Um, as a matter of fact, there's been throughout history this idea that the the Protestant work ethic. Uh, is actually very, very good for nations and countries because um, we bring in that biblical understanding and integrity, ethics, morality, all of those things just should flow naturally, although they're hindered by our sin. They flow naturally for us compared to the unregenerate or those who are not saved
2: that, that. would that be galatians 5 to no i'm just kidding <laughs> right would those the be fruit, fruit of the spirit, spirit? That's, That's no, i'm just right. kidding catch my sermon I'm series <laughs> just so doing a little plug there sorry well <laughs> no but so let's
1: go back to god's so we can't understand justice without understanding god and it being an attribute of god and um one of the great writings on this is um Louis Burkoff, who wrote in a systematic theology book, which is basically just a long book of systematizing the Bible and the doctrines and the concepts and the ideas of the Bible. Um, it, it is a good way of, of kind of understanding and using as a reference um, this book so that we can go to scripture and see what it says about certain things. And this is actually a section on righteousness because justice and righteousness are so closely intertwined Berkhoff really just gives us some distinctions here, and I want, I want to make sure that we get these, uh, whether we understand the big doctrines and the big words in the Old English. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I just want to get the concept because it's helpful for us as we have a dialogue as to what justice actually is. Now, fir- the first one is there's a distinction made when we use justice in light of God and it being an attribute of God. There's a distinction, he says, uh, between his absolute and his relative justice. Okay, and this is going to be heady, but follow me. Um, the absolute justice is referred to God. God is just, right? That's absolute. There's no wavering in that. That is a part of his nature. It's a part of his being. Burkhoff says uh, it's uh, the that rectitude of the divine nature and virtue of which God is infinitely righteous in himself. So God, being righteous in himself, can establish whatever rule and ethic or morality he wants, right? So he's not dependent on man, the creature, to be able to interpret it, to be able to uh, dialogue with it. Mm -hmm. He is righteous and just in himself. That's the first absolute. Now, the relative is how God then relates to his creature. So what does God's justice have to do with Uh, the world what does how does god interact with that uh justice um with his creature burkoff says um, that perfection of god by which he maintains himself over against every violation of his holiness and shows in every respect that he is the holy one so it if god is holy the the Christian worldview, the biblical understanding is that we, the creature, are not. That starts early on in Genesis with the fall. We understand that we are not holy, and we understand why we are not holy, and that God then has to deal with us in, in our sin, in our unholiness, in our unrighteousness. So even in an ability to try and determine a system of justice, we have to understand that it's going to be faulty. But it doesn't say that God doesn't give us the responsibility, just as he did in Amos 5, he did with King David, King Solomon, you will establish justice. Here's what's right and wrong. I gave you the law. You know what's right and wrong. New Testament tells us it's written on man's heart. It it is a part of what you know is right and wrong, given by God, the source Mm -hmm. who is just. So I wanted to start there with that differentiation.
0: Now that ties really into what I was going to say. I was going to circle back around to what I said about look, Jesus isn't on the ballot. These are imperfect people. You can pick anybody apart that you want. It's and that's that is true, but I don't want that to discourage Christians who are voting in elections and Christians should vote in elections. They should participate in elections. Deuteronomy 16:18 says Um, that we are to appoint just rulers so we have a role in that as voting Christians so I don't want people to feel like defeated before they even start yes people are flawed yes you can pick apart anybody you want my point is, is that anybody on Facebook or whatever social media platform that wants to point out something stupid that I said they can do it they'll find it I promise you Anybody can be picked apart, but we should go out and we should, we should be researching who we're voting for. We should be hearing what they say they're going to do. Um, Does that conform to God's will um, for a just society? or not so we should not be um, that's not meant to be a nihilistic thing or a defeatist or we're doomed before we even start and in, in some ways things are just never going to be perfect here on this side of glory that's that's a fact that that does not mean that we should give up um, and not try to make things better for everyone and and to bring justice to widows and orphans and those who are on the margins of society the other thing i want to say is um there's a couple of great verses in isaiah that talk about how um, when things are are not just that god will um, destroy that Um, and we don't always see him acting um, in time but we need to have faith that God, through his Holy Spirit, acting through Christians uh, to bring the transformation of the gospel to people's hearts, that things will change and things will get better. Um, uh, God says in Isaiah, I will make justice the measuring line, and if your hiding place is built on a lie, it will be swept away. So God promises us that that justice will be established, that those who are basing their lives on lies um, will not be able to ultimately prosper. They will, they will perish.
1: And, and that's right. So two things. One, we need, Christians need to be voting. We need to be voting based off of the fact that God is giving us an understanding, a biblical understanding of his world and how he's established things. And that needs to play into you know the the policies um that are going to be governing our country and and if we truly want justice then we have to have a biblical understanding imposed or or brought into the uh to into those offices so that's so what what party what candidate best aligns with your worldview and is your worldview a christian worldview i mean that's a, a constant question we should be asking if you if you're saying i'm voting for you know um this individual because i like the way they have their hair or i don't like the way they're i don't like the way they look or i like the way they look whatever if you're doing it that's superficial it really needs to be based off of what policies and and uh what are they going to establish what are they going to enter and bring into the system that's going to be something that somewhat aligns with your biblical worldview.
0: Uh, the the thing I wanted to say about um, we are all um, every single human being um, is an image bearer of God, so we all have a natural yearning for justice in our hearts. Um, we see this we see things that are unjust in this world, we see injustices, and we we weep for it we we hate it. children of God adopted children of God um, those justified by faith through jesus christ have at least a better understanding of what god's will is whether it's an informed theological um uh learned response um may not be the case but they at least are are changed and um growing through the help of the holy spirit like i always go back to the image of the the thief on the cross next to jesus you know who was assured his place in heaven and probably hadn't spent very much time studying theology <laughs> he, he he couldn't he couldn't articulate a lot of theological concepts so christians don't always have the full depth and breadth of knowledge where they can quote scripture verses and they have you know the full fully fleshed out biblical worldview where they can make informed voting decisions, but they do have the help of the Holy Spirit to push them in the way of God's will, I believe. But those image bearers of God, those created in God's image, all, all mankind, who are not blessed with the help of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps we should talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and what the role that places on a later podcast. So I'll just tease that out there. But those who don't have that, um, are they have that yearning for justice, but they don't know what God's will is for justice. So that's where we see these flailing attempts at justice that, that don't, reflect God's will. Things like riots, um, burning down other people's properties, shoving down statues of people who are just as sinful as you are, and you are just as sinful as they are. You may be sinful in different ways, but in the eyes of God, there's very little distinction between the sins.
1: But the bottom line is this, that you don't have to be a theologian to be able to take your worldview and, and to express it in a, in a healthy way. Even if your theology is, is only Jesus is Lord, right, and all of my faith and trust is in him, then I know that whether the world gets worse or better, at the end, I know what happens. That he comes again, he vindicates He rectifies, he destroys this world and brings a new heaven, a new earth. And I'm a part of that, right? And we all sit down and have a feast. And we all sit down and have a wonderful banquet together with our Lord and Savior. So even if it's that, even if we just said Jesus is Lord, then it also conveys that everything else is not. And so it's okay if a government is faltering because it's, full of sin. I mean, it's not okay, but I mean, it's to be expected. It's to be expected that these things are going to fail. It's expected that policies are going to fail. That man is going to fail. It's expected that people are going to go into the streets and riot with no rationale whatsoever, right? Even the, you've probably seen the video, somebody justifying looting because the person they're looting had more money than they had. And there's no, there's no rationale there. There was no justification. It's just because I want it. They don't deserve it. I need it. Then I'm going to go get it. Right. It's all the I, I, (laughs) I. A person who says Jesus is Lord cannot come to that conclusion.
0: Mm. Yes. Those that support killing of um, unborn babies will justify that and they'll make it so that it doesn't look like murder when they describe it to people. You know, they'll use words like fetus, which fetus just means baby in Latin. And the other thing, those who, and maybe they want, they have this desire in their heart, which is they're, they're imaging God, they're, they're reflecting back an image of God it's a broken distorted image but they do have the image of God cuz they are God's creation they will say i want justice and they end up looting they end up stealing they end up calling it something other than what it is which is stealing and and also coveting which is also a sin it's very interesting that's the uh, the sin that brings in what's going on in your heart. So that famous Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about things in your heart are actually as sinful as actually doing it. That's in in Matthew 5. That's already introduced in that 10th commandment that talks about coveting. So that shouldn't have been any surprise to any of the Pharisees by the way. I'm just going to say that right there. <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> anyway, what people will do is they because they don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them, because they don't acknowledge as you said Jesus is Lord, they they have that natural yearning for justice, but it just becomes distorted in their actions because they're not guided by the will of God.
1: And that's what we call sin because that's what happens in the garden
0: <laughs> and by
2: definition right yes but eve, eve isn't
1: necessarily incorrect in what she's saying she's incorrect in her understanding and interpretation of the words mm-hmm. that god has said the the command that god gives is distorted and not only is she not allowed to eat of, she's not allowed to look upon the, which God never said that, mm-hmm. right? So we take this again back to self. We make these things mean what we want them to mean rather than saying, what does God truly mean in this? That is the sin. And that sin leads to more sin and uh, the unfolding of uh, a need for a redeemer in the world because we've, you know, Satan has twisted these words. Um, and, and then convinces Eve that, well, not only did he not say that, but he just doesn't want you to be like him, right? He doesn't want you to be God. Well, deep down inside, she wanted that. And so that's yeah. right. So she like, why can't I be like God? Um, it's just some fruit. That's right. It's just some fruit and it looks delicious. And then her husband who was really in charge ate as well. And so here we are. <laughs> um, but, but this idea that, um, that we have a system of justice is still just because we don't understand it or we're using incorrect words today it doesn't mean that it wasn't established by God who is righteous and just who then gives man in his throughout history the command to have governments who are establishing justice and setting forth what is right and wrong justice means what is right and what is wrong based off of God's law, God's command, and who he is, as we, as we see throughout history.
0: And there are things in God's law that establish principles of justice that we use in this country today. You know, uh, the, the principle that, that there should be eyewitness testimony, or um, nowadays people can use surveillance videotape. Or body cams from the police. Those are considered eyewitnesses. You can see what happened. That, that principle that there should be two or three witnesses. That I shouldn't just be able to say, oh, he did this. And just based on one person's word, somebody loses their, their livelihood, their freedom, their liberty. There should be more independent lines of testimony. And that's it. That's in God's law. And there's there's manslaughter laws. You know, if you don't put a fence around the top of your house, because people used to go up on top of their houses and lay around and stuff back then. If you don't put a fence on top of your house, then um, and somebody falls off and gets hurt, it's on you, you know, which we have that 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 concept in our laws today. If you don't put a fence around your swimming pool and heaven forbid, you know, as a mother of toddlers, if a toddler gets in there, it, that's on you, you know. So those are things that are established in God's law to give us because we don't understand things. We're humans, we're flawed. He he gives us a, a an example of a law in his in, in scripture. So that's sort of a template for us to use and thank goodness a lot of our our system of justice in this country is based upon those principles
1: yeah so let's talk about god's relative justice and what i mean by that just as a reminder it's god and how he relates to his creatures and what he expects of them in being just there is a command to be just and righteous there is a command to god's people even after the fall to establish justice to to do what is right and what is wrong, and in the in the covenant theology, in the framework of covenant theology, we understand this as blessings and curses. Do this, you will be blessed; you'll be rewarded. Don't do this, or do the opposite of what I've, I'm commanding, and you will be cursed. Right? There's there's a penalty to be had. Again, in the in the sense of uh, forensic, there is a God is judge, and there is an expectation of doing right and wrong. Uh, in the world by the Christian and by the non-Christian, by all his uh, creatures. And and, and so Burkhoff's helpful here in the sense that he gives us a couple more big words, um, and you can ignore them, write them down, or you can impress your friends with them while you pray, play Scrabble or something. But uh, the rectoral, um so under this relative aspect or attribute of God, relative to how God interacts with his creatures, there's a rectoral in which God rules both good and evil. God is the source, and He also rules will, and determines what is good and what is evil. Okay, so He's kind of the rector of all of these things. The 15 number two
0: points on Scrabble just yeah. by itself. How many? Fifteen. I just made that. That's up. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, gonna like, that. I'm gonna verify well, that. C is three and is I it I an L five. Yeah, and then there's an
1: R in there, which is probably. Uh, anyway. It's one. R, so, R is one. So C is it's. One. it's <laughs> It's God's righteousness laid out before man. We have to wrestle, again, with not just who God is to say he's just, but there is an expectation imposed on us to do good or to do evil. And what I found amazing is this this um, this portion, the, the way that Burkhoff puts this, um, is really the reward aspect that God is using. I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. God speaks more in the Bible about the reward aspect for obedience than he does punishment and wrath for disobedience. Which is absolutely amazing to me. But the second part is distributive justice <laughs> of God. I'm Diane's sorry. biting her tongue.
0: I'm just seeing letters with little value. Yeah. She's still in Scrabble. Scrabble. She's
2: Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble. <laughs> sorry. <clears throat>
1: Um, see what I have to I'll work, turn, work with? i turn that off. All right. <laughs> see what I have to work with. distributive. So this distributive justice of God is God's, um, Burkhoff puts it this way, God's rectitude in the um, execution of the law, right? So that's the rewards and the punishments. God, how he how he interacts with his creatures in light of justice. What does he expect? Uh, and again, he, he works mostly in rewards, than he does in punishment. Now, doesn't mean that wrath isn't important. That's the gospel. And if one says that Jesus is Lord, more than likely you've heard the gospel, you understand the gospel, you know that if Christ did not die on the cross, die and was buried for my sins, then I would have to bear the wrath of, for my sin
2: why because god is just
1: because god is just it has to happen
2: he can't just say like well you you're a pretty good guy hank i'm gonna just go ahead and say like you know or i'm gonna or i'm gonna
1: put it on these people and not these people it has to be across the board everyone deserves my wrath
2: and that's why by definition he is just you know That is it that is his execution and i'm just to add two cents before you continue i heard it described once as justice and non-justice which i struggled with because non-justice to me i didn't understand non-justice i've seen as injustice or evil and mercy so god can show you mercy or he will show you his wrath but you fall into one of two because of who he is is just if that makes sense the non-justice being both sides of that his mercy and grace which is what we get. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And then everyone else, uh, you know, kind of succumbing to that evil. And hell for all eternity.
1: So, so Berkhoff with, and, and the Reformers would probably look at it differently. We wouldn't say justice and injustice, justice and non-justice. We would say it's all justice.
2: Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: justice is we all deserve God's wrath. Yes. But also in that justice, he exhibits his grace and mercy to some. Yeah. That's still just. Yeah. Right? Fair. He, he's not fair, fair, fair. contrary to himself because the other injustice or non-justice would say that God sometimes is not himself. We can't say that.
0: Yes. This reminds me of um, other world religions that have a uh, works-based theology, where basically, um,
1: like the Roman Catholics. I was
0: like, well, you, how I much was, time do you have?
2: I have some thoughts on
0: that. I was thinking of Islam, um, and and really the um, the. Theology of Islam, as far as the the rede- where redemption is concerned, is one's at, on their judgment. A, 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 a devotee of Islam is set before God. There scales. There, um, one's good works are placed on one side. One's evil deeds are placed on the other side, and um, there might be god is having a good day um and tips the scale in one way or the other or having a bad day and the one work that will ultimately be the the deciding factor that they that's their like silver bullet this is my one sheer sheer surefire way in is to um, die in the cause of Islamic jihad. Well, however that's interpreted um, by that particular um, school of thought in Islamic religion is it, it can be quite diverse. I'm not saying that that... Um, Muslims in general feel like they have to die in Islamic Jihad, and that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different schools of thought. But I I bring that up not to disparage um, Islam in general, or those who who practice Islam in general, I should say. I, I bring it up to show the fault in the theology because there's no hope in that. If you're just working, working, working and you're – are you keeping a tally every day and are you hoping you're getting it right? Are you hoping you're not missing anything? Are you hoping that – while you're driving through traffic and you cut somebody off um and you don't have time to put that on your tally and you've forgotten it and at the end of the day you have more good than you do bad, you know, but then oh you forgot that you cut somebody off. So there's tallies out there that you might not have counted. And are you looking at that every single day saying, Oh, am I am I good now? Am I gonna be able to make it in? You know, how many hungry people do I have to feed tomorrow? It it's it's a system that people it's impossible it's impossible for people to keep track of that and they never have any surety of of their pardon before a holy a completely righteous and holy God so they're constantly put in this state of stress um, it it's 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 really sad and and just and very uh, my heart breaks for people who believe these things
1: it is sad and and again <laughs> it goes back to the self what am I trying to do versus what can I not do? And leaning on Christ to do those things for us, right? So, the, the hope that we have, the, the difference would be as Christians, our hope is in Christ, knowing that without Christ, there is no hope of reward. Without Christ, there is no um, hope of overcoming God's wrath for ever
2: doing enough,
1: being just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. was,
2: you, there's no way we could ever <laughs> do enough. Coming from the Catholic Church, I know that weight. <laughs> but you just there is never enough.
1: Right. And and you know, Burkhoff puts it this way, under distributive justice, which God is distributing justice based off of his law, his commands to his creatures, there's remunerative justice, which is that of the reward, him distributing reward for doing good, again in the covenant context. But then also retributive justice for, for doing bad, the curses for not obeying. And so that's really the two categories we have to look at in the culmination or the the way that we have to look at that is not through the lens of myself, not through the lens of my religion, not even through the lens of my faith. It can only be done through the lens of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. It, it, it is. And this is the gospel that. Without Christ, without God sending Christ, without Jesus doing these things on my behalf, and even afterward giving me the ability to do things today rightly, choosing right instead of wrong, seeking righteousness and justice, without Christ's intervention and him doing that on my behalf, it's it ain't happening, folks. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. And, you know, there's a whole—I'm I'm just going to go through some of these passages of Scripture while y'all are getting your thoughts together and, and because I have the mic— um, Jesus re- talks about rewards. I mean, it's amazing. Jesus comes more about to, to talk about reward and, and what it means to be obedient to, and to inherit these rewards, the blessings, if we can put it that way, of the covenant, than he does the curse. And it's amazing. Matthew 10, 41 and 42, Jesus says, "These are a the red letter, Jesus saying this, not me. It says, the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. Verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is not talking about the wrath of God. Why? Because for the believer, that's already been stricken. That's already been handled. In a court of law, you're innocent. Because of what Christ has done. Now, what we're going to focus on is the reward. Justice for the Christian is the reward for doing good. And we all know what that reward is, right? Eternal life. We talked about the banquet earlier. Being with him. It's not living a blessed life now or having my best life Mm. now, today. And he's blessing me with riches and cars Mm -hmm. and houses and and planes. By the way, I'm still waiting on my plane from the church. Um, It's not (laughs) arrived. So... Whenever it's coming, please let me know. Okay. And then in Mark nine forty one, Jesus says, For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So the same idea, different different telling, different story. Luke six thirty five, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven for so their fathers did to the prophets. The reward that we wait for as Christians, not in this world, not justice now, right? So establishing justice as a government, we should, as Christians, hope for that and we should long for that, but we should also understand it ain't happening. Our reward, justice comes when Christ returns. That's when justice will prevail. There will always be injustice until because man's involved, because sin's involved, until Christ returns. doesn't mean that we don't seek to do well and to have our reward so that we don't lose that reward. And we'll talk more about that here in just a moment.
0: So the one thing um, I want to say, and I think that will pretty much wrap up my thoughts on this topic of justice. Just the one thing I want to say is um, for the listeners out there, we have talked about. Um, we've touched on um, other faiths, other versions of theology. We are Christians, and we are Reformed Christians, meaning we adho- adhere to the doctrines of faith as put forth by the reformers. We we are not an anti-Catholic group of people. We are not anti-Muslim. Um, I, I love them. I, I, they are my neighbor. I do believe, based on my theology, which informs me, that their theology is wrong. So we um, have some doctrinal differences with Islamic theology. We do not hate Muslims. I just want to say that um, with love and respect in my heart. Um, so we're just talking about the theolo- theological differences. We we are Christians who love our neighbors. And the other thing is, is we brought up some things with the riots. We brought up looting. Um, we um, think from a Christian perspective that destroying other people's property or stealing other people's property is... Is wrong, and that's based on the law of God. Um, That doesn't mean that we don't yearn for justice for everyone in America. Um, We hate racism. Racism is a sin. God judges it, God hates it. God created um, all of mankind, we believe, from two individuals. So we are all um, made in the image of God and um, all um people who we are commanded to love and we because we are changed by the holy spirit we want to love
1: yeah and we want people to understand that without jesus then we shouldn't expect anything different than what we currently see this is this is beyond creed this is beyond race this is beyond how i feel about it this is beyond even what i believe about it this is this is we, we are living in a world that needs Jesus in every aspect of life. And that, yes. is, that is really what we're trying to say. And we cannot understand what that means in the context of justice. We can't understand what Jesus has done for us unless we understand justice, not as I've defined it, but as the Bible defines it. Mm-hmm. Because once I understand that, once I can look at the scripture and say, all right, God is just, I am not, I'm a sinner the next thing we must conclude from what scripture teaches us is that I then need Jesus. Right. I said today, I saw a sign, um, on a marquee in front of a church, you know, that said, God is faithful. Are you? And then I, I tried to process that and say, okay, is this a legalistic thing? Is this a, um, my natural answer to that is no, I'm not faithful. Therefore I need Christ. That should be our response. No, there, there is not justice on earth. probably put that better. There there is no justice on earth, uh or there is injustice on earth. Mm-hmm. Um in all races, in all creeds, in all faiths, in all I mean the Christians now can claim in California that they're being uh treated unjustly uh because they can't worship as they want and there's, you know, fines and injunctions and there's there's everybody can claim injustice. Yes, because of the world that we live in is a fallen sinful world. What we need is not new politicians, not new laws. Mm -hmm. We need Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. And that's what we want people to see. That they, we, and they need Jesus Christ. We need Christ every day in our life. Mm -hmm. We need Christ to help us not get aggravated with the rioters and looters. To not fall prey to the sin of my own heart, which I want to react differently than I do.
2: To the same sin I feel like we're all, that emotion, there is no logic there is no rational thought i feel like all of us are offended all of us i mean that in some way shape or form like you were just saying and and that is what is driving us it is it is a completely subjective definition as we were talking earlier of justice and just me me i I, I.
1: and i think i think christians who can say yes jesus is lord i need jesus i am not perfect i think anyone who can do that can then enter into a healthy dialogue in in a way that will help heal the wounds of a nation and a country. Mm-hmm. If we keep poking people in the eye, pointing fingers, uh, throwing darts, um, all those things, th- those are not going to be helpful.
2: I would say, and not acknowledging the log in our own eye. just We're no better than anyone else as, you know, proclaiming as a Christian. We just understand, I think, a little bit of perspective. <laughs> that's yeah. the, the difference, I guess. Well, we're
1: children of the light.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right?
1: Not yeah. children of the dark. So there okay. there is a distinction. Yeah. Um and there are rewards yes. associated with that. Yes. And and we understand, I think, a little bit better the term justice than mm-hmm. people are using it. And that's the other thing I'll say. If you're out there throwing words around without knowing what they mean, shame on you. Um Diane's nicer than I am. Uh, shame on us for using words. We we use words all the time, even in the church. Uh like we, we think we know what they mean, but we've we can't do what burkhoff has done and draw these distinctions and these aren't burkhoffs these are theologians over time and and you know early church fathers who had to flesh all this stuff out for us to say all right what is justice and so he's done all the heavy lifting we're just benefiting from that and so you know go do some homework read a little bit study a little bit um don't don't act like the rest of the world as if history started yesterday mm. I mean that's part of our problem is we're and now we're getting on to the next podcast, but we're 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 really treating the world as if it started yesterday. Tear down everything before, rebuild as if nothing that has happened is beneficial. As if God has not been involved in anything yes. prior to today.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I struggle with that.
1: And that's a sin. Because God has established and ordained all things up to this point. Now wrestle with that and struggle with that in the context of slavery and so on and so forth.
2: All of it. I was going to say his plan, and and will continue in the midst of this unrest. He's not caught off guard in the you know in, in everything that we're facing. How again, it comes back like you were saying to definitions though. But God in His very character, if He is just, if He is sovereign, if He is all these things that we proclaim Him to be and believe Him to be, He's still well aware of what's happening here, what will happen in the future. Has ordained what had happened in the past for His purpose, whatever that may.
1: And has ordained the things that happen in the future. That's a podcast for another time.